Chapter One of The Turn of the Tide. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Victoria Martin. The Turn of the Tide by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter One. Margaret had been home two hours. Two hours of breathless questions, answers, tears, and laughter. Two hours of delighted wandering about the house and grounds. In the nursery she had seen the little woolly dog that lay on the floor just as she had left it five years before, and out on the veranda steps she had seen the great stone lions that had never quite faded from her memory, and always at her side had walked the sweet-faced lady of her dreams, only now the lady was very real, with eyes that smiled on one so lovingly, and lips and hands that kissed and caressed one so tenderly. "'And this is home, my home?' Margaret asked in unbelieving wonder. "'Yes, dear,' answered Mrs. Kendall. "'And you are my mother, and I am Margaret Kendall, your little girl?' "'Yes, and the little dog on the floor. That was mine, and—and it's been there ever since?' "'Yes, ever since you left it there, long ago.' I, I could not bear to have any one move it or touch it. And I was lost then? Right then? No, dear. We travelled about for almost a year. You were five when I lost you. Mrs. Kendall's voice shook. Unconsciously she drew Margaret into a closer embrace. Even now she was scarcely sure that it was Margaret, this little maid who had stepped so suddenly out of the great silence that had closed about her four long years before. Margaret laughed softly, and nestled in the encircling arms. "'I like it, this,' she confided shyly. "'You see, I, I hain't had it before. Even the dream lady didn't do this.' "'The dream lady?' Margaret hesitated. Her grave eyes were on her mother's face. "'I suppose she was you,' she said then slowly. "'I saw her nights, mostly, but she never stayed.' And when I tried to catch her, sh she was just air, and wasn't there at all. And I did want her so bad. Of course you did, sweetheart, choked Mrs. Kendall tremulously. And didn't she ever stay? When was it you saw her first? Margaret frowned. I don't seem to know, she answered. She was thinking of what Dr. Spencer had told her and of what she herself remembered of those four years of her life. You see, first I was lost, and Bobby McGinnis found me. Anyhow, Dr. Spencer says he did, but I don't seem to remember. Things was all mixed up. There didn't seem to be anybody that wanted me. But there wouldn't anybody let me go, and they made me so all the time on things that was big and homely. And then another man took me and made me paste up bags. Say, did you ever paste bags? "'No, dear,' Mrs. Kendall shivered. "'Well, you don't want to,' volunteered Margaret, and to her thin little face came the look that her mother had already seen on it once or twice that afternoon, the look of a child who knows what it means to fight for life itself in the slums of a great city. "'They ain't a mite nice, begs ain't, and the paste sticks horrid and smells. "'Margaret, dearest, how could you bear it?' shuddered Mrs. Kendall, her eyes brimming with tears. 
Margaret saw the tears and understood. This tender, new-found mother of hers was grieved. She must be comforted. To the best of her ability, therefore, Margaret promptly proceeded to administer that comfort. Pooh, twon't nothing, she asserted stoutly. Besides, I runned away, and then I had a tip-top place, a whole corner of Miss Whalen's kitchen, and just me and Patty and the twins to stay in it. We divvied up everything, and some days we had heaps to eat. Truly we did, heaps. And I went to Montlawn two times, and of course there I had everything. Even beds with sheets, you know, and— Margaret, Margaret, don't, dear, interrupted her mother. I can't bear even to think of it. Margaret's eyes grew puzzled. "'But that was bang up, all of it,' she protested earnestly. "'Why, I didn't paste bags nor sew buttons, and nobody didn't strike me for not doing them, neither. And Miss Whalen was good, and showed me how to make flowers, for pay, too, and—' "'Yes, dear, I know,' interposed Mrs. Kendall again. "'But suppose we don't think any more of all that, sweetheart. You are home now, darling, right here with mother. Come.' We will go out into the garden. To Mrs. Kendall it seemed at the moment that only God's blessed out-of-doors was wide enough and beautiful enough to clear from her eyes the pictures Margaret's words had painted. Out in the garden Margaret drew a long breath. Oh, she cooed softly, caressing with her cheek a great red rose. I knew flowers smelled good, but I didn't find it out for sure till I went to Montlawn the first time. You see, the kind we made was cloth and stiff, and they didn't smell good a mite. Oh, you've picked it! She broke off, half rapturously, half regretfully, as Mrs. Kendall placed in her hands the great red rose. Yes, pick all you like, dear, smiled Mrs. Kendall, reaching for another flower. But they'll die, stammered Margaret, and then the others won't see them. The others? What others, dear? Why, the other folks that live here, you know, and walk out here, too. Mrs. Kendall laughed merrily. But there aren't any others, dear. The flowers are all ours. No one else lives here. Margaret stopped short in the garden path and faced her mother. What? Not anyone? In all that big house? Why, no, dear, of course not. There is no one except old Mr. and Mrs. Barrett, who keep the house and grounds in order. We have it all to ourselves. Margaret was silent. She turned and walked slowly along the path at her mother's side. On her face was a puzzled questioning. To her eyes was gradually coming a frightened doubt. Alone? Just they two, with the little old man and the little old woman, in the kitchen, who did not take up any room at all? Why, back in the alley there were Patty, the twins, and all the Whalens and they had only one room. It was like that, too, everywhere, all through the alley. So many, many people, so little room for them. Yet here, here was this great house, all windows and doors, and soft carpets and pretty pictures, and only two, three, four people to enjoy it all. Why had not her mother asked? Even to herself Margaret could not say the words. She shut her lips tight and threw a hurried look into the face of the woman at her side. This dear dream lady, this beautiful new mother, as if there could be any question of her goodness and kindness, very likely, anyway, 
there were not any poor margaret's eyes cleared suddenly she turned a radiant face on her mother oh i know she cried in triumph there ain't any poor folks here and so you couldn't do it mrs kendall looked puzzled poor folks couldn't do it she questioned yes poor folks like patty and the waylands so you couldn't ask em to live with you mrs kendall sat down abruptly near her was a garden settee she felt particularly glad of its support just then and of course you didn't know about the waylands and patty went on margaret eagerly and so you couldn't ask them neither but you do now and they just love to come i know love to to come stammered mrs kendall gazing blankly into the glowing young face before her of course they would nodded margaret dancing up and down and clapping her hands wouldn't you if you didn't have nothing but a room right down under the sidewalk and there was such a heap of folks in it why here there's everything everything for him and oh i'm so glad cause they was good to me so good first miss whalen took in patty and the twins when the rent man dumped em out on the sidewalk and she gave em a whole corner of her kitchen and then when i runned away from the bag pasting patty and the twins took me in and now i can pay em back for it all i can pay em back i'm so glad mrs kendall fell back limply against the garden seat twice she opened her lips and closed them again her face flushed then paled and her hands grew cold in her lap this dancing little maid with the sunlit hair and the astounding proposition to adopt into their home two whole families from the slums of new york was margaret her own little margaret lost so long ago and now so miraculously restored to her as if she could refuse any request however wild from margaret but this but sweetheart perhaps they they wouldn't want to go away forever and leave their home she remonstrated at last feebly the child frowned her finger to her lips well anyhow we can ask them she declared after a minute her face clearing suppose we we make it a visit first suggested mrs kendall feverishly by and by after i've had you all to myself for a little while you shall ask them to to visit you oh bully agreed margaret in swift delight that will be nicest won't it then they can see how they like it but there they'll like it all right they couldn't help it and how how many are there questioned mrs kendall moistening her dry lips and feeling profoundly thankful for even this respite from the proposed wholesale adoption. Why, let's see. Margaret held up her fingers and checked off her prospective guests. There's Patty, she's the oldest, and Arabella and Clarabella. They're the twins, and they're my age, you know. That's the Murphys. And then there's all the Whalens, Tom, Peter, Mary, Jamie, and oh i don't know six or eight maybe with miss whalen and her husband but after all it don't make so very much difference just how many there are does it she added with a happy little skip and jump cause there's heaps of room here for any mount of em and i never can remember just how many there are without forgetting some of em you you don't mind if i don't name em all now 
and she gazed earnestly into her mother's face. "'No, dear, no,' assured Mrs. Kendall hurriedly. "'You—you have named quite enough, and now we'll go down to the brook. We haven't seen half of Five Oaks yet.' And once more she tried to make the joyous present drive from her daughter's thoughts the grievous past. End of chapter 1